How's it going? How's it going, folks? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, working our way through the book of First Peter, taking a look at the Word of God, what it has to say for us today, and rejoicing in our Lord and studying the Holy Scriptures, the, the Word of the Living God, God's instruction for us, His guidance to us, His help and blessing to us. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the book of First Peter. We are in chapter 4, we're down at verse 5. So again, folks, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the story, or to our next broadcast, as I want to try to stay on point on topic here. Okay, so <clears throat> last time in uh, going through this, we were taking a look at what it means in verse 1 about uh, arming yourselves likewise with the same mind. And talking about this kind of thing and what the Lord has for us in this regard. Oh, it says it's buffering. Uh, one second, folks. We're just going to pause here. Is, uh, is the feed okay with everyone else or... It says excellent connection over here, so it might be on your folks' end, maybe. Yeah, so it shows green across the board here in the feed, so I'm just going to keep going. Video audio is good. Okay, let's keep going then. All right, so, and uh, yes, yes, thank you so much for your prayers, folks. Yes, she's feeling uh, much better. That's... Uh, uh, Paris Vaughn here in the comments is uh, who we're talking about. So thank you so much for praying for her. And uh, she's feeling a lot better this morning. Praise the Lord. We had a, a great uh, breakthrough in health and everything uh, last night as well. So she's much better this morning. Okay, so let's get back to this. So again, talking about these things about arming ourselves with the same mind and what uh, Peter has for us. And uh, the theme through First Peter has been about the, the priesthood order, how we are the living temples of the living God, and that all of the different angles and aspects here to, to look at, to help us to understand, as he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, of the mindset. The mindset. Mindset uh, that, uh, that, that we are called to of Christ-likeness. Now, in this... Peter is kind of touching on in chapter 4, as you see in verse 4, about how they will see us as strange. We're very strange to them, because it says, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot and excess of, of physical life, of worldliness and all these things, how we're called out of the world and how we're changed. Now, God takes us from the fires of hell and, and puts us in the glory of heaven. He takes us from the condemnation of sin into the righteousness and sanctification of Jesus Christ. Now, he takes us from the, the clutch of the devil into the hand of God. And this is the, the picture here that we're looking at. Now, with this, he's going to kind of refer back uh, to some things about where we came from. And that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit today. So in 1 Peter chapter 4 and uh, verse 5, grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, whatever it is you're having, come join us at the table and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5. Time to study the Word of God. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5. Well, actually, we need to back up into verse 4. Is Verse 5 is a continuation. Verse 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Again, we talked about this, but the excess of riot is the ex uh, how the world lives after the excess of worldliness, self-pleasure, and all these things, how we don't live after those things anymore. They think it's strange that we don't. And thus, they speak evil of you, as it says here. Speaking evil of you. They curse that. They think you're strange and stupid and, and all that. In verse 5, 
who shall give a, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So they speak evil of you. Again, what did Jesus say? They will hate you because of me. In this world, you shall suffer tribulation for my name's sake. They'll persecute you because of me, Jesus says. So speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Now, to give an account, they'll have to give an account for all of this, how they treated you. And as well as it talks about us is that we will not be judged for our sins. Uh, we who are born again, saved in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, by the spirit, the name, the power, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, by belief alone in the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone, we are born again, saved and dwell with the spirit, living God. And that, that uh, when we stand before the Lord on that day, we will not be judged for our sins. There is no judgment for sins for the saints. All of our sins have been dealt with by our Lord Jesus Christ. Past, present, future, all sin is dealt with by our Lord Jesus Christ. And like the story that Jesus told about the, the master who was going on a journey, he left his business to, to his servants. And when he returned, it, that they gave an account of how they cared for their master's business. So this is more of, of what it is that we will be doing. We will not be judged for our sins, but we will have to give an account. Give an account of how we cared for our master's business. All right. So that's what that's talking about here. Get, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. That uh, what they do accuse you that it would be false accusations. That uh, when we speak to the Lord about all these things, that we'll be innocent in this. And that... Uh, it will be false accusations is what this is referring to. Now, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Now, notice the words here. To judge the quick and the dead. Now, there's another reference. I don't have it written in my in the margin here. I want to, on my mind, I want to bring it up. I hope it's the right one. Yes. Okay, I was right. All right, so now he which will judge the quick and the dead. Now, there's an interesting, this is an interesting phrase. Let's look at this. Now, we've seen this word before, quick. The word quick. Now, the word quick here, very similar as in the language is a Hebrews chapter 12, talking about the word of God. It's quick and powerful and that he will quicken us. Now, the word quick doesn't mean like speed, like it's fast. What it means, quick means to quicken, which means to make alive, give life. To give life, give energy, to make to make anew. So, it says the quick and the dead, that's the living and the dead. Now, this here, quick, is to give life. So, he is the judge of those that have been given life, and he's the judge of those who are dead. Now... What does it mean by dead in this context? This is talking about spiritual deadness. It's talking about the unsaved. So this is language here that's referring to God is ready to judge the, the saved and the unsaved. Those who have been given everlasting life and those who are still dead in trespasses and sins. That's what that means there in verse 5. Now with this, let's go back to John chapter 5. The Gospel of John chapter 5. Let's look at this. There's a couple things I want to touch on here in today's study to do away with some mis misunderstandings of how this works. Now, there are numerous individuals who hold to a false, a false doctrine that's called soul sleep. Soul sleep. Soul sleep is completely false. It's unbiblical. There's no precedent for it in the word of God. It is just straight up complete misunderstandings of the biblical text because they don't actually study the meanings of these things. Soul sleep, it was actually developed and created from the cults, uh, majorly uh, taught by the Seventh-day Adventists which is also held by the Jehovah's Witnesses and all of them. Soul sleep was actually a doctrine that was created by the cults that many professed Christians have clinged onto. 
soul sleep is a complete false doctrine. Now, it is uh, soul sleep that teaches that uh, when you die, um, when you die, that uh, your spirit stays in your body and awaits the day of the resurrection. Awaits the day of the resurrection. Now, but the word of God teaches absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. It's appointed to men once to die and after this, the judgment. And about how we see the rich man, he opened his eyes in flame and torment. And this was not a parable. It's an actual account. And it talks about it in the book of Revelation. That when uh, there comes the day of judgment, that it says hell is brought up. Hell is brought up and they are judged out of the books. And that talks about the spirits in prison. So all throughout the word of God, there's multiple, multiple, multiple points that clearly very easily refute the soul sleep doctrine. Now, um, there's things about the afterlife we need to understand in a biblical sense. We've got to be very careful about where we're getting our doctrines, where we're getting our theologies from commentaries, catechisms, creeds, or we're actually comparing scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we take a look at some of these things, you see soul sleep is completely false. Another one that is completely messed up is the idea of what's called annihilationism. Annihilationism. There's another uh, false doctrine. Now, I this is one, though, that I can kind of, if I could say, sympathize because I understand I understand that the idea, not so much, sorry, wrong word, that not idea that the, the teaching, the doctrine of eternal damnation is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. That I can understand not wanting to believe it, but all because I don't like it, all because I may not understand it, all because I can't wrap my mind around it, doesn't mean that it's false. And also doesn't mean that I should seek to falsify the truth of it because I really don't like it. Now, annihilationism is the doctrine of, of a soul mortality. Soul mortality. That uh, souls are mortal and that when they're, ca when they're judged for your sins at the great white throne and you're cast in the lake of fire, that you are consumed and you cease to exist. You cease to exist. And they take certain words in terms of these things. And and uh, they, like, for example, and this is the second death. This is the second death. And it's because of that, that phrase, and this is the second death, that they don't quite understand what this is getting at. But the word of God explains it. The word of God does explain it. For example, we see in John chapter 5 here, in John chapter 5, now, when we are brought up before God, and, and uh, as, uh, as he brings, we're brought up before God, and our bodies are brought back together and brought up, and our souls and our bodies are united again. It's interesting, as we see something here in John chapter 5, starting at verse 28. Look at this. Now, read carefully. Look at this. John chapter 5, verse 28. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. This is the, the, the great day of judgment. And it says, all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Now look at this, verse 29, John 5, 29. And shall come forth they that have done good now the context here what shall we do in the might work the works of god this is the work of god you believe on him who he has sent so doing good doing the will of the father is believing on the lord jesus christ the goodness of god that leads thee to repentance unto salvation we see the uh, this is what this is referring to although that have done good unto the resurrection of life i am the resurrection of life so believing on the lord jesus christ is doing good so believing on the lord is what's referring to unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. All that are in the graves 
saved and unsaved, will be brought up before God for judgment. Saved and unsaved. Bodily. You see that? John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Read it. It says right there that there will be a physical, bodily resurrection of saved and unsaved. Okay. If there is an actual bodily resurrection of the unsaved unto the resurrection of damnation, judgment of the wrath of God, they will stand physically, bodily, before God when he opens the books, they are judged out of the books, and then they are brought bodily over to the lake of fire and thrown in. This is the second death. So we, we die once and are given everlasting life. They will die twice. There's a, for the first physical death when the, their bodies actually pass away and they are, they're buried. And then the second death is when they're cast in the lake of fire. Soul mortality is a false doctrine. Annihilationism is a false doctrine. The word of God teaches right there in John chapter 5 verse 20 29 that there are two resurrections is the resurrection of life and the resurrection of damnation and that we will all stand before the Lord physically bodily saved and unsaved that's what that's referring to now he's the judge of the of the quick and the dead those who are doomed those who are doomed to to die the second death now we take a look here at what the word of God says about this in Ephesians Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Now look at this. <clears throat> it says how we'll have to give an account to him who, who is the judge of the quick and the dead. Now look at this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened. You see that? And you hath he quickened. Actually, I want to write. And you happy quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So just as we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5, the judge of the quick and the dead, here it's referred to again. So that's Peter talking in 1 Peter chapter 4. That's Peter talking this. And this is Apostle Paul talking here. So Peter and Paul are on the same page, talking from, uh, from the same source, which is inspiration of the Spirit of the living God. This is what God says. There's the alive and the dead, and God is referring to this in a spiritual sense. Those who have been quickened, given life, given everlasting life, and those who are still uh, dead in trespass and sins is still in their condemnation. John chapter 3, verse 18, they are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and lusts of the mind, just as what it says, how they think it's strange that you go not to the same excessive riot. That's what this is talking about. Peter and John, uh, John, Peter and Paul are literally talking about the exact same thing here. So 1 Peter chapter 4, it can be combined with Ephesians chapter 2. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others children of condemnation children of damnation children of the wrath of god but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with christ by grace are you saved you see that and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And it goes into Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved. 
Okay, so the quick and the dead, the living and the dead is is context here of spiritual sort. This is not referring to physical so much as it is spiritual. All right, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 5, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So all have to give an account for what they have done. Now, us in, in, is in regards to how we care for the master's business. For them, they will have to give account. They will have to pay the consequences for their actions, for what they've done. And they have no advocate. They have no mediator. They have no intercessor. They have no savior. They have no hope. They have no hope. They'll stand before the Lord, and they will have to pay the consequences for their own sins. They'll have to pay the price for their own sins, which is death. But for us who are saved, as we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was our advocate, our intercessor, he, he uh, took the weight and the penalty of all our sins upon himself, and we don't have to pay for anything because he took it all. Full atonement, full price, full pardon, full salvation, the, the full grace of God poured out upon us by grace through faith because we believed. And this is what the word of God teaches. Who shall give account to him who is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For, for this cause, was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But when we believe on the Lord, we're called out of the world, even though we're in the world, but we're set apart. We're different. I mean, they will think you strange. So we, we preach the gospel to them that are dead so that they would be they be saved and there'll be the physical judgment that the world will hate them and the world will oppose them but live according to god in the spirit now this reminds me of romans chapter 8 i'll go back to romans chapter 8 Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is no condemnation, zero condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. How do we, how are, how do we get in Christ Jesus? What does this mean? Well, this is believing on and we are brought into his salvation, his grace, his hand, his holding, his sealing, his protection. We are in him. We are in him, grafted in his hand. And we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So we see the separation. We see the difference. And, and salvation, the things of the spirit of God, the things of the Lord, as we see here, are as different as the living and the dead. As those walking this world, the language here, the pictures here, is like the difference between those walking around still alive and those who are buried in the ground. It's as different and set apart as that. That's, the, that's how different the saved are from the unsaved. So we see like the difference between those who are healthy, walking around alive, and living corpses. So... This is what the Word of God shows. All right, so we continue on here in 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> for, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to the Spirit of God. Now, judged. Now, the judgment, when you stand before the Lord, He's not going to judge you based upon what you did of good or what you did of bad to see if you're worthy or to see if you can be allowed entrance into heaven. But rather, what is judged is whether or not you have believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God or not. That, that, um, that ye may know that you have eternal life because you have believed. So that which is judged, we see, is Jesus Christ. This is why the world hates you. Know, know that if the world hates you, it hated me before it hated you. As Jesus says, the reason, the reason is not because you believe in God. Most of the world believes in a God of some sort. It's not because you go to church that they hate you. It's not because you read the Bible that they hate you. They hate you because of Jesus Christ. Now, this Jesus Christ, 
The world doesn't even hate so much as all the other uh, uh, other religions who say they believe in Jesus, but are different different gospels, uh, different religions. But it's this Jesus Christ that angers them because this Jesus Christ is power. So the world will judge you for Christ, and God will 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 judge and see that you are worthy because you have because you have the Son of God. And then when He looks at you, the judgment doesn't stick as He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees the blood, the Spirit, the name, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ upon you. This is why the world will judge you. The world will judge you because of Jesus Christ. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And looking for that end, looking for that day, when the Lord is coming again to watch and pray, to be faithful unto the Lord, to, to serve the Lord, looking forward to that great hope that we have been given. So this is our calling. This is what we're meant for. This is what, what we're here for. So let's go back just for a moment to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll finish up this one bit here as that we were reading. Talking about the, who are dead in trespasses and sins. And we got down. Let's pick up at, at verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look at verse 10. Talking about that watching in prayer. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. That God worked on us. He did a great and powerful work in us. In changing us, taking us, purging us, cleansing us, molding us, and setting us on, on the path of righteousness and giving us a job to do. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So our works had, our works had nothing to do with our salvation. But our works that we do now are because of our salvation. You see that? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So now you are saved, carry out the ordinances of it. Show it, demonstrate it, show it unto others. They see the power of it, that they would that they would want to come and ask you about the hope within you. This is the point, the purpose of it. That's what this is for. So we are created in Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus, through the power of Christ Jesus, for the purpose of demonstrating the good works of Christ. What shall we do that we might work the works of Christ? This is the work of Christ that you believe on him whom he hath sent. So we see the works of God, the works of Christ that we are called to do, we're supposed to do, is to carry out all Christ-likeness. You see that? Does that make sense? So with this, as we see, there's one other point here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that is massively misunderstood. Now look at this, because a lot of people will take the last bit of verse 10 and cherry-pick it, and they ignore the first bit of the verse. Because by their logic, the first bit of the verse would contradict them. Look at this. Now, we'll read the verse, Ephesians 2.10, one more time. We're going to read the whole thing. Now, look at this. Okay? For we are his workmanship. Okay, we're given a job to do. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Okay? Which God hath before ordained what he ordained what that we should walk in them god before ordained what created in christ jesus unto good works which god hath before ordained that we should walk in them that so we see the path of righteousness the works of jesus christ the act of christ likeness the works of the saints the of the glory and the power and the honor of god the ways of god the path of righteousness of god was before ordained not people 
God did not preordain you unto salvation. That's not what that's saying. It's saying that God before ordained the works, the way of righteousness, the way of Christ-likeness, the way of salvation, the way of righteousness. Someone please tell me you see that. Do you see that? Do you understand that? It's not saying that you are ordained. It's saying the ways of righteousness, of Christ-likeness, the good works of God is preordained. Because all things are to bring forth the glory of God. The ways of God. The ways of God. That everything should bring forth the ways of God. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay? Now with this, we're going to go back to Romans 8.29. Romans chapter 8. Verse 29. Now, look at this. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, the good works. Okay? <clears throat> now, with this, God is God. And that he does see all. He knows all. And is in his infinite mind, he sees and understands all things. That in God's foreknowledge, he does see, he does know who's going to be saved and who's not but the foreknowledge of god is all because he does see and know that does not mean that he then deliberately restricts his gospel his salvation to only those that can be that is a bunch of absolute nonsense that's uh that's heretical garbage the idea of limited atonement that is completely unbiblical makes zero sense and the un unconditional election limited atonement all that kind of stuff that's a bunch of nonsense because when we actually look at the word of god and we stop trying to interpret the scriptures through the gnostic uh, gospels of john calvin all of them but rather we take a look at what it says and it makes sense by just letting the scriptures interpret the scriptures verse 29 for whom he did foreknow as he does see does know he also did predestinate to be conformed. The conformation, the conformation to be conformed the, to the image. To, so again, exact same language as Ephesians 2.10. God has ordained the works, ordained the works. He predestined the conformation to the image. You see that? You see that? You see that? So while we are here and we see the difference between the living and the dead, where our job, our purpose, our calling is to bring forth the ways of God, to demonstrate the ways of God so that the dead could be made alive. That's what our, our calling here. For whom he did foreknow is he does see who's going to be saved, but he, he predestinated the way of conformation. He predestined salvation. The lamb which was slain before the, 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 before the world. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He predestined the way of salvation. He predestined the way of righteousness. He predestined the works of God. You see that? He didn't predestine you. He didn't predestine me. He didn't preordain you. He didn't preordain me. It's not about us. It's about him. He preordained his way, his path of confirmation, of salvation, of good works, of righteousness, of godliness, the ways of God. To be brought back. Because he saw, he knows uh, how we're going to fall away. So he makes a way. He preordains a way before we even come on the stage. He's already made a way so that we could be brought back to him. He preordained the way of salvation. He predestined the way of confirmation to the image of his son. Do you see that? You see that? Calvinism's false. There you go, mic drop. Okay. 
But I don't want to get off on that whole tangent about Calvinism. And if you disagree with me, I challenge you to bring your Bible and only your Bible. And I challenge you to try to use only the Bible without using uh, catechisms, creeds, commentaries, councils, or the writings of other people. I challenge you to only use scripture with the scripture through only the scripture without contradicting any other set point of scripture. I challenge you without cherry picking, without uh, hyper uh, focusing on single words and use the scriptures as scriptures to rightly divide the word of truth. I see God is not willing that any should perish and the word any, all, whosoever world. When you actually do studies on the words, you see what they actually mean in the original Greek and Hebrew. And they are not what's called limited specifics as they say, well, God is not willing of any of the elect. That No, no, no. God so loved the world of the elect. No. These are not words of uh, limited specifics, but what's called a general all-inclusive. That it's that uh, what it says is what it means. World means world, not just the world of a set group. So stop uh, playing uh, 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 term theft, uh, uh, word theft, and changing the actual meanings of words to fit your own ideology. What it says, what it means. God is not willing that any should perish. And the word any literally means any anyone. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to his image. So the predestination is the confirmation, the, the ways of God, the ways of righteousness and salvation, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so we see to be born again by, by him who came to save us. He made the way, he paved the way for us. So while we are here in this world of the dead, while we are here in this world of the damned, the world of deadness, all creation groans because of sin, because of sin. All are fallen away. All are become corrupt. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags for there's none good. No, not one. There's none good. No, not one. But as we see that uh, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we are changed. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 to 6. That the work of the Spirit of God comes upon us as we hear it. We see it. We're given the light of, the taste of, the glimpse of, the knowledge of the Spirit of God. Uh, the work of the Holy Ghost upon us to bring us to the understanding of this. And we are given a choice. We're given a choice. And as you see in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, that the very term of irresistible grace is blown out of the water. Because as you see in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, it's not talking about saved people losing salvation. And it's not, uh, and it's not promoting the idea that the grace of God is irresistible and that when God does show to you, you can't help it, that you will be saved whether you want to or not. You cannot resist. Yes, you absolutely can. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 it shows this. An unsaved person is given the light of the taste of the glimpse of. The Spirit of God gives them the understanding and they're given a choice and they can resist and fall back into the ways of their sin. And they're given a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Why would it say choose you this day if, if there's no free will of men? But we see that the all sovereignty of God and the free will of man both exist at the same time. That's what the Word of God teaches, the Word of God shows. So with this, we are in the world of the dead. We're surrounded by the dead. Those who are the walking dead. Walking damned. The walking accursed. That they are still condemned in their sins. And they're walking towards the fires of hell, towards the judgment of their sin. We are here for the purpose, as we see. But the end of all things at hand, be therefore sober, sober-minded, so soberly focused with, with the sober intent and understanding and all seriousness of the matter of our calling and watch unto prayer. And to be soberly focused on the things of God, of what we're here for, our calling as priests of God, as living temples of God, as servants of the living God of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to the dead. And above all things, verse 8, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, this word charity, this is verse 8. Charity, agape, means brotherly love, affection, goodwill, love, that is affection or benevolence. So we see 
we go into all the world and as we talking we we're talking about before in the past few studies about the love of christ the love of the brethren the love of others brotherly love that the the love of christ is shown through us towards them that uh, though they are sinners, Christ died for them. Though they're enemies of God, God so loved them. Though they're children of the devil, God wants them. And, and it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what sins they've committed. There's no sin greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. There's, there's no way to be so depraved, so wicked, that God can't save you. There's literally nothing you could possibly do that could cause you to be unsavable. The Word of God teaches that the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than all our sins. That the work of Jesus Christ is greater than all the sins of all the world of all time combined. As Christ paid for all sins, past, present, future of all people that have ever existed. As he made a way that people can be saved. He, he's that powerful. His blood is that powerful because Jesus Christ is God. Amen. But as we see here, and above all things, have fervent charity. This is the love of Jesus Christ being promoted through us. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to them who come and ask you about the hope within you in meekness and in fear. And look at this. Have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, notice the language. Because people ask, well, how can my love take away their sins? No, 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 no. You're, you're changing the words. Notice the language. Notice the language. Notice the language. How are we to live amongst the dead? How are we supposed to live amongst the sinful, wicked dead the children of hell and above all things talking to us have fervent charity this is the love of god the love of christ that is shown through us have fervent charity among yourselves with each other for charity the love of christ shall cover you see because it's the love of jesus christ that takes away all sin when you believe but when we love them as Christ loves us, what does it mean by cover a multitude of sins? Ignore, forgive, look past, get past, look through as you don't see it, as you look past it, because you see their need. You see their need. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are, what they've done, what they've said. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter if they're Saul of Tarsus, destroying churches and blaspheming Jesus Christ and killing saints. It doesn't matter who they are, what they are, what they're doing. You love them as God so loves them. You see them as God sees them and it will cover it. The love of God covers all of that and so that they can see the truth and the power of Jesus Christ and that it would convict them. It would draw them it would entice them and they'd be saved that's what that means that's what that means right there the charity of our lord jesus christ the love of our lord jesus christ the brotherly love the love of the family of god is what drives you is what you focus on because it doesn't matter who they are, what they are, what they've done, what they've said, what they're even currently doing to you. You treat them the way that God treats you. You speak to them the way God speaks to you. You work towards them the way that the Lord works upon you. You are, you are imitators of Christ. You are examples of Christ-likeness. It doesn't matter how they spit on you, how they mistreat you, how they curse you. You show them the love of Jesus Christ. You cover their sins with the love of Christ. There you go. And in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on their head. Convict them. They will be ashamed that falsely accuse your good works. Now does that make sense? Now does that make sense? 
Now do you understand the importance of turning the other cheek? And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Without grudging. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 6 just for a moment. Now, in now in the language here of First uh, Peter chapter four verse nine, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now we're just going to look at the word grudging there just real quickly before we get going. Without grudging, gongusmos, to murmur, murmuring, muttering, uh, displeasure, grumbling. Belly aching, whining, complaining. So use hospitality. Let's look at the word hospitality. I can't read that one. Hospitable, generous to guests. Get given to lover of usage of hospitality. Okay, so to be generous, to be helpful to one another without complaining, without, without grudging. Okay, so if we go back to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. Look at this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. But when thou doest alms, when you do your alms, now this is the charitable works, dispersing of, of necessities, money, food, help, whatever, helping one another, in your dispersal of your alms, giving alms to one another. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. What does that mean? Don't think about it. Don't overthink it. You see someone in need, help them. Don't even think about it. Don't think, well, I don't know if they really need it, you know, and you start scrutinizing and the reasoning of the whole thing. No, just, just help them. Just help them. You see someone in need? Help them. Don't think about it. Don't overthink it. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And also don't brag about it, boast about it, talk about it. Tell them, you know what I did today? I helped this person. Don't, don't, just keep it to yourself. Leave it alone. Don't be a TikTok helper where you record the whole thing just for likes and stuff. Mm. Is uh, otherwise uh, your reward is the praise of men and not the praise and the blessing of God. Uh, Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay, go back to First Peter. So. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So as well as to help them without complaining about it. Well, but I, I was really wanting to have this. So I didn't really want to have to do this today. If you have that kind of attitude spirit about it, you have not the love of Christ in you. You need to go pray about that. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, as you've received the gift, God didn't complain about ha having to help you. God doesn't complain about having to help you every single day of every single tick of the clock sometimes. God doesn't complain about having to forgive you over that same sin that you keep doing every single day. God doesn't complain about having to help you, teach you, protect you, and guide you, and pick you up again and again and again and cleanse you again and again and again. God doesn't complain about you. Don't you complain about others. God doesn't complain about having to help you. Don't you dare complain about having to help others. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So you see the grudging goes on a couple different aspects, different angles here. As every man hath received the gift. It's not a reward. It's not that they have to earn your respect so that you'll help them. They shouldn't have to earn your favor to, to help them. You help them by grace. You help them gracefully as God helped you gracefully. See that? It's the same work that God did on you. Now you do on others. 
to draw them, help them, and you bless them, and you and, and you treat them the way that Christ treats you. You see that? You see that? As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as well, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, as stewards, workers of God, stewards of God, the caretakers of the things of God. As we are the caretakers, as we are the priests of the temple of God, we're servants of the Lord, as good stewards of what? Of what? We are workers, priests, stewards, servants of what specifically? Someone tell me in the comments. Of what? Of verse 10, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, good stewards of what specifically? What does it say? What is our driving focus? What is the driving point? What is it that we show? What is it that we demonstrate? What is it that we're living for? What is it that is always ever before our eyes and absolutely anything and everything in this life? What is it? What does the word of God say? Stewards of what? I need a Jeopardy theme music here. If you're reading your Bibles, it, what, it, what you'll see is one word that is the theme of the entirety of the born-again Christian faith. As every man hath received the gift, that's not a reward, it's a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are stewards of grace. We are servants of grace. We are ambassadors of grace. We are the priests of grace. And, and, and so with this, as we see here, we are the demonstrators of grace. We are the providers we see to everybody, we provide grace, the grace of God. We treat each other gracefully. We help the poor gracefully. Now, what is grace? If you really want to understand what grace is, you got to look at the cross and you got to look at your sin and how you were a child of hell. You were, you were dead. You were a dead corpse of sin of rotting sin the fouling up the, the the nostrils of god bringing the wrath and condemnation of god down upon you you were a child of the devil a joint heir of hell and he pulled you out of hell's flames washed you clean by his blood sealed you with his spirit gave you a new name placed you on a new path and gave you a new work and called and called you by grace he saves by grace, he holds by grace, he provides by grace, he protects by grace, and everything that God does to you is by sheer, sheer mercy and grace. It's not a reward, you don't deserve it, but he gives it to you anyways because he so loves you. Undeserved mercy, undeserved favor, unmerited. Don't make other people have to merit yours. Don't make other people have to earn yours. Don't make your help a reward, but rather let it be grace. Let it be grace. As good stewards, good stewards, goodness according to God's standard, not what you think, well, that, well, I was nice, I'm your idea, that you are good. No, according to God's standard, that before the eyes of the living God, God smiles and nods and says, that was good. Because you helped by sheer grace without any idea of a reward. You didn't do it for rewards. You don't even really want rewards. You're just doing it because that's what Jesus Christ would do. And I love my Lord God, Jesus Christ. I want to be like him. I want to imitate him because I so love him and I don't care what other people think. I don't want the rewards. I don't want the praise. I don't want the glory. I don't want the focus. Look at him because it's all about him. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because of him. 
and you redirect everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. You decrease, he increases. If any man speak, verse 11, if any man speak, and everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God in this world of deadness and sin, of living corpses of judgment. If any man speak in this world, let your speech be salted with grace. Let, let your lips be salted with grace, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That God speaks through you. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives through me. I will put my words in your mouth, as the Lord says. I will teach thee what thou shalt say. You don't have to worry about what to say. You don't have to think of fancy, you know, wise uh, strings of phrases. You don't have to worry about uh, philosophies. What are you going to say to draw them? No, you just serve the Lord. You just speak the truth as it is the word of the living God. You speak the truth of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You speak as the oracles of God. You speak for the Lord, that the Lord speaks through you. That it's not your words that are being brought up on charges. It's not your works that are being brought up on charges. It's the works of God through you. It's not your fruit that you're manifesting. It's his fruit that he's manifesting through you. It's his words that are being spoken through you. And that when you speak and you help and you teach it, all things you do and say lines up with the word of the living God, that it's the spirit of God that's being manifested through you. You see that? If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, just for a moment, just think about that one right there. As an oracle of God. We take a look at this word, interesting word, the oracles a brief utterance a divine oracle doubtless because oracles were generally brief in the in the contents of the mosaic law like in as we see in the old testament for example so one who speaks divine utterances like the prophets like the prophets like the apostles like these servants of the Lord, like the priests, like the priests, the priests of God would speak the divine utterances of God. Know ye not, ye are the temple of the living God, which is in you, and ye are not your own, you've been bought with a price, for ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're in this world of darkness, but we're children of light. So we speak the words of God, we speak as priests of God. Another way of saying is the oracles of God. That what we say are the words of God, not your own words. You see that? If, if any man speak, that all our words are to be held accountable to the word of God. Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, serve, if any man serve, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. All that God gives you uh, to furnish you as his servant in the calling that he has given you, as he gives some preachers, teachers, pastors, prophets, whatever, all the different, all different ministries as we see, that God would equip those individuals so that they could carry out these things. And there's, there's the office of service and healing, all, many different services. Whatever the calling is that God has given you, he has equipped you for that. So all of your service, all, all, all that you do, do it as the ability which God giveth. That it's God carrying it out, not you. God's just using you. God's using you. Verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as, as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And as we see, 
all the different examples here how the lord will equip us and call us and help us luke 12 12 john 14 26 proverbs 2 1 to 8 proverbs 9 10 jeremiah 1 9 exodus 4 10 to 12 that it is all god's power god's provision god's guidance god's help god's words it's his calling it's him wanting to live through us he's just asking us to get out of the way that, that we would rather choose, instead of our words, we choose his words. Instead of choosing our reaction, we choose his reaction. Instead of making it earned favor, we make it unmerited favor. We pour out the grace of God, not the judgment of God. For it's the word of God that judges, not us. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Because the whole point, the whole purpose is to bring glory to the Lord. There you go. To bring glory to the Lord in all that we do. Through the power, the name, the spirit, and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he's the one that gives us strength. He's the one that has called us. He's the one that's drawn us. He's the one that has set us on the path. To whom? To Jesus Christ. Be praise and dominion. That for his name is above all names. He has the power of all things. The government is upon his shoulder. It's his kingdom. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So. In this world which is judged already in this world of the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. There's only two classes of people, saved and unsaved. We need to learn to look at people the way that God sees them, as either living or dead. And if they're living, we love them and help them and we treat them as uh, as uh, members of the family of Jesus Christ. Or if they're dead, we see them as those whom Christ has died and he wants to be saved. And we cover their sins with the love of Jesus Christ in our treatment to them to bring them to the understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we're here for. This is the job of the priests of God. This is what our calling is. Hope this study has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. Hope this has given you something to think about. We're just going to wrap it up there. Because I, I don't want to detract from this. Again, it's so simple. The quick and the dead. That's all it is. And we're all going to stand before the Lord. And we're all going to have to give an account. But unfortunately... They will have to give account for themselves. Jesus Christ will stand by our side as our advocate, our mediator, intercessor, our provider, our savior, our redeemer, our, our lamb of God, our lamb of sacrifice for our sins. And he pays the price and he absolves, absolves us of all sin. Because we have believed. And we give an account of how we care for our master's business. How the priests cared for the temple. And the, but they, they have no one standing with them. And they'll have to give an account themselves. They will have to pay the price themselves because Jesus Christ took the price for us. And they will have to pay the price themselves. Our job is to show them, show them how they can be free. Show them the grace of God. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. Show them how he can quicken them. How he can breathe into them the breath of life and create a living soul inside their corpses. And he can make them alive and he can change them. Change them to the very core, to the heart, the sinew, the bone. Change their whole life, their minds, their heart, their soul, and spirit, and body. He can change them, save them, make them new. He purges them clean, washes away all their sin by grace. Let us speak grace. Let us show grace. Let us demonstrate grace. The grace of God, which is given to every man. The full atonement that God, God paid for all because God is not willing that any should perish because God so loves them. Let us show them. Let us not limit this grace. Let us not limit this message. Let us not limit 
the cross of Christ. Let our love of our Lord Jesus Christ look beyond their faults and see their needs. There you go. So with that, we wrap it up there. <clears throat> okay, so with that, I hope this has been a help, a comfort, and encouragement to you. I hope this has given you something to think about. And again, folks, if you want to know more about this, how to witness, uh, we have a couple of different playlists. We have playlists on witnessing and evangelism, another playlist on the gospel and explaining the gospel and uh, eternal security. Please check those out. If you need help finding any of our resources, you can contact us uh, through our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. As a contact us link on there that you can use to reach out to us to let us know what you're looking for as well as on our website christiancoffeetime.ca we have links to tons of different resources and accounts as well as free downloadable gospel track pdfs and e-tracks so please make sure you avail yourself to that and get busy get busy about the great commission the calling that our lord has given us that he wants us to do and uh yeah so with that I'll wrap it up there god bless you Thank you so much for joining, folks, and uh, I hope this study has been a help and comfort to you. If you enjoy these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up, make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos, and check out all the others. So with that, God bless you, folks. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love His Holy Word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.